Amen. Well, welcome once again to everyone who joined us this morning. Every single one of you is precious. It is a joy to gather together as the family of God. And I want to say thank you for taking the time to be here with us, all of us together. I've got a message that I really believe the Lord laid on my heart to share with you. But before I jump into that, I'd just like to offer up a prayer. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we welcome you. We have welcomed you already, but now we welcome you in the word. Lord, I pray that you would move upon this word. I pray that there would be life in this word. I pray you would be glorified and honored as we share together in what you've laid on my heart. Lord, I just pray that you would be blessed and continue to be blessed as we enjoy this time together in your presence. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen, wonderful. So what I felt to share with you today is eternity within our hearts. And this comes directly out of a scripture, a scripture out of Ecclesiastes. And reading from the New King James Version, I'd just like to read it to you. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, he has, put everyth- he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Now I'm gonna read that from another translation just to bring a fullness and a deeper understanding to it. So from the complete Jewish Bible it says, he has made everything suited to its time. He has given human beings an awareness of eternity, but in such a way that they can't fully comprehend from beginning to end the things God does. It's a beautiful scripture, it's so rich, there's three distinct parts to that. And I intend to share a a point around every part of the scripture. The first part, that there is beauty and purpose to every time of our life. Secondly, that we as human beings have an inexcusable awareness of eternity. God has placed an awareness of eternity into every single human being, regardless of those who serve him or not, by virtue of creation itself, We are compelled to say there is a creator. That is what the book of Romans says. No human being is without excuse. Every single person has been given an awareness of eternity. And the final part of that scripture, that there will be times and occasions where we do not know what God is up to or how he is going about his business. But that's exactly the point. It's his business. And he calls us as his children to trust him. Because all things do work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But at times, we don't experience the immediacy of that promise coming in its fullness. There is at times a process, but I'll speak a bit more about that later. But before I move into my first point, as a bit of an introduction, I actually have a question I want to ask you that I'd like you to ponder on. It's not meant to bring any kind of negativity to you, just an honest question. God gave us life. He gives us life. And my question to you is, what are you giving life to out of your life? Because we are in a continuous sowing and reaping process in this world. The word says that if we sow to the spirit, we will from the spirit reap life. If we sow to the flesh, we will from the flesh reap corruption. And so our life is like a currency. We are continually investing life into something, into something of God, or into something not of God, even into something that's purely selfish for ourselves. But every day, we're in the process of sowing our life into something. And my question is, what are you giving life to 
out of your life? Generosity or selfishness? Forgiveness or unforgiveness? Lust or love? There is so very much, and it is not just restricted to people in the world. Let me tell you, the Lord's people need to find the narrow path and stay on it. Narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few there are who find it. Broad is the path that leads to destruction, and easy is the way, and many there are who find it. That's in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. And so we have choices to make as his people. Where are we going to invest our life? And that is just as true for the Christian, even more so, because we have the Holy Spirit with us, helping us. We've been redeemed by his blood. We should be choosing life and sowing into life, and as such, sowing life everywhere we go. And that is honoring eternity. That is something about acknowledging eternity within our hearts, that we are eternal beings first, passing through this world, sow into eternal treasures, sow into life. Let your life bring forth life. Now, I've got a bit of a story I'd like to share with you just to perhaps bring a little bit uh, more of a depth to it. Now, when I was a young boy, I was part of the Cub Scout movement, and uh, there were times where we would have fundraisers to raise funds for the Scout Hall and our various activities. And uh, how it would operate is there would be a fundraising evening where parents would sponsor stalls and they would then sell goods, and all the proceeds would go to the scout hall. But this particular evening, and this will date me a little bit, was called a 10-cent evening, all right? 10-cent evening, 1985. And uh, what would happen is my parents would very generously give me two or three rand, which was a fortune for me at that stage, especially thinking that every single stall is only gonna cost 10 cents for the goodies that they would have, so a child could walk away with quite a good haul. But you'd take your money, and you'd get your tokens, and then you would take your tokens to the various stores, and you would choose where you would want to invest your tokens. Give your token, get your stuff. Things like sweets, to popcorn, to cake, to cool drinks, to hot dogs. Yes, very nutritious, the five basic food groups. <laughs> ah. But it was a fantastic evening, and it still rests in my mind as, 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 as a incredible childhood memory. But those tokens would eventually start running out, the evening would come to an end, and I would leave that place with what I had left over. Very, very happy. But that is also a description of how we will leave this world. God has given us life, it's like he's given us tokens. He's given us the fullness of our days when we are born. And then as we live, we are investing our life every day into something, somewhere. And if it's into life, we're gonna be getting good goodies, so to speak. But when those tokens run out and we find ourselves exiting this world, we will go to our Father and we will present to him our life and how we lived our life. And I trust with you that you too will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, because you took your life and you sowed it into giving life. Now, my first point is stewardship of the now, the here and now, our day-to-day -day experience. Now, the father himself has an expectation of us as a father that we would conduct ourselves in accordance with his will and his ways in his house, in his kingdom. Do we not as natural parents have the same expectation of our children 
that in the culture of our home, they're expected to step up at times, do certain chores, conduct themselves with integrity and honoring towards us as their parents? I'm sure you do. I do know some uh, children need a little bit more encouragement than others, but our Father has a realistic expectation of us in His house too. And it is a good thing for us as His children to honor Him as He deserves and to respect the way He wants us to conduct ourselves in His house. Now I wanna share a couple of points with you of how he has placed that expectation upon us, but how he helps us to fulfill what he's calling us to do. First and foremost, there's the Lord himself, our Father. But he also revealed himself in a different way when he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. Moses asked the Lord, who shall I say has said to go if the people ask me who sent me? And the Lord's response to Moses was, tell them I am has sent you. I am has sent you. There's a magnificent revelation in that. Not I was, not I will be. He knows everything of where we've come from. He knows where we're going, but he's fully invested for you here and now as I am. He is the one that will continue to work things together in your life. He's the one who will encourage you. He is your lifelong companion, never leaving you nor forsaking you. That is how close he wants to be with you. If you would allow him, if you would draw near to him, if you would invite him. Because we are as close to God as we determine. It's not the other way around. He wants to be absolutely close to us. But the book of James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That is written to Christians. How often do you hear the second part of that verse? <laughs> But the honest truth is that in his holiness, what is unholy in us is revealed. And we repent of that and we lay it down and then we can come closer to him. And we can come closer to him. So the first gift is the Lord himself to enable us to walk in his ways and to fulfill what he is calling us to do in this life. He is, I am, our lifelong companion. But I'd like to read a couple of scriptures to you now about our responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis in his house. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. You have this picture of a book. The Lord has a book of each and every one of your days. He knows them from the first to the last, and he has fashioned those days for you. He's shaped them. He's formed them other translations say. And so he has got his will infused with every day we are to walk in and live. A confirmation of this is Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Days fashioned for us. Now at this point, some people might feel a bit overwhelmed, like they're out of the zone. They've got to pick up their game a little bit. They feel like, well, um, you know, what do I do? How do I know? How do I go about this? And I really just want to reassure you, the Lord doesn't expect you to give anything that's outside of your capability in Him. 
Because it is His grace that will enable you to fulfill your daily walk with Him. Your daily sowing of life, giving life into things of life, into the things of His kingdom, into the things of His heart. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 where Paul is speaking. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored, I worked more abundantly, more, more hard than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was within me. The grace of God which was within me. Paul is saying that it wasn't his ability that accomplished the work he was doing, and it was hard work. It was God's ability that he was drawing upon. And here we see God fashions our days. He prepares good works for us to fulfill. Then he gives us his grace to fulfill it. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Because he doesn't lay in front of us mountainous tasks that we don't have the strength to climb. He himself is with us. He shows us the good in the right way. And then he equips us with his grace to be able to do so. And we can then follow him with the joy of a child, not some kind of whipped servant who's always worried they're missing the mark, but to draw near to him in love and to walk with him and let him equip you to accomplish his tasks for you. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That scripture says, grasp the concept that your days are finite because it will bring a wisdom into your life of how you conduct yourself. The contemporary English version says, teach us to use wisely all the time we have. I pray the scripture would minister deeply to you, that you would be careful with your time, careful with your words, what you think of, what you do, how you react. Take into consideration the finite number of your days and ask God to help you to be a good steward of the now with the great I am at your side. Amen. Amen. Now, on to point two, which is stewardship of the eternal. But for those of you who have your Bibles, I am actually going to give you a chance to read today. Please turn to Luke 10. We'll be reading from verse 38 to 42 shortly. Now, as I said to you previously, just keep your finger there. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, it says that the Lord has put eternity into the hearts of men. But I also know that this can become blinded to us if we find ourselves busy with too many things for too long. There is a personal responsibility upon us to stay in that first love relationship with God. There really is a call upon our hearts that we would not neglect Him in our days and in our times. And what I want to share with you here is a fantastic story about Mary and Martha and their time with Jesus. It's one I'm sure you all know, but I do just want to share some aspects around it. So Luke 10, verse 38 to 42 says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. Now, let me just say, first and foremost, what Martha was doing wasn't wrong. She wasn't doing anything wrong. But the starting point in terms of what she had to do was meant to be from a place of Jesus' feet first. The good portion that Mary had chosen was to go to Jesus first and sit at his feet. Martha was already running around doing all of the things which actually needed to be done, but she hadn't gone to sit at his feet first. And so we have this picture where I know that Mary would not have stayed at his feet the whole day. She was there. I'm sure she would have gotten up and began to help at some point. But there would have been this time and intimacy with the Lord first, which was the greatest thing that she could have done that day, regardless of the responsibilities that she herself had upon her shoulders, just like Martha. Jesus himself used the same methodology of him going to the Father. He had immensely busy ministry days. We can tell that just by reading a few pages in the New Testament out of the Gospels. His days were chock-a-block. They were full. But it also says in Luke 5, verse 16, that he withdrew by himself often to pray. He withdrew by himself often to pray. You can imagine that being in the early morning when no one else is up. And there's Jesus going off to spend time with the Father. It is also written in John 5, 29, that Jesus did nothing but what he saw the Father doing. Where did he see that? Not necessarily on the spot. I'm sure it happened. But I'm also sure there were many times that as he withdrew by himself to pray, the Father would minister to him, fellowship with him, and speak about the days, ministry to come. And then Jesus would come back and enter into the day in front of him and engage with everything that he had been called to do for that day. Now, that should be our model too. We must work, make no mistake. If a man does not work, he shall not eat. It's quite harsh, but that's what the book of Timothy says. Go and take it up with him. But my point is that work is good and blessed and needs to happen. We must provide for our families. We must provide for our futures and, and, and ourselves. It takes time. It takes effort. But don't go Martha style. Don't just jump into work all the time. And you are neglecting coming to sit at his feet, even if that means waking up earlier in the morning, maybe just 10 minutes earlier, to go and sit at your first love's feet and get that impartation from him, that blessing. You will be more productive in your day for those 10 minutes at his feet than if you just jumped into work, because that is the nature of the life of God. Amen. And so don't just jump into work, but at the same time, you also can't be so spiritual that you never put your hand to anything. You know, I want to put Paul forward here as an example. He was a tent maker for years, and for years, his tent making job, his day job, so to speak, overlapped with his ministry. He, know, he knew what it was to earn an honest day's wage. He put his hand to hard work. And he labored, and then after that, he went and ministered. Now, at some point, he was released from that tent-making ministry, but he didn't float around on a cloud writing the Bible all day. 
there was actually real work taking place, and he was blessed because he said, I'm content with much or with little. But he wasn't afraid of hard work. And so there is this balance. But I have to say, if you are not getting to the Lord, get to him. Make some changes. Let him impart into your life what you need. That your life is full and rich for time in his presence. Then it's not so difficult to sow life when difficulties come across your way. When you are faced with that harsh response from the world or that almost overwhelming temptation, because you have been fortified with time with your God, you are prepared to more than overcome when life happens around you. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We can allow the things that are seen to blind us sometimes where we would feel overwhelmed by the natural in front of us. It is at that point I want to encourage you, choose to look at the unseen, because it is a choice. It's not necessarily just gonna happen. You can pray, Lord, I choose to look at the unseen. I choose to not become discouraged in this time. Lord, I come and I sit at your feet, and in that place, you will be equipped and empowered for a victorious Christian life. Amen. Amen. All right, my third point is the destination or the journey. And I could even have said there, or both. And honestly, my answer is yes, both. Now, you think, well, how does this tie in? Well, I just want to share a little bit about one of the aspects in the last part of Ecclesiastes 3.11 that we cannot fully comprehend from beginning to end the, thing God, the things God does. And this ties in a little bit to that. The Lord certainly has a plan and a purpose for our life. He's placed eternity within our, our hearts. He wants us to live a full life every single day in terms of the life that he has given us. But we as human beings at times, not always, at times, we tend to focus on destinations only as the high points where we will be happy in life. Let me explain. Some people might say, when I get married, I'll be happy. When I retire, I'll be happy. When I have children, I'll be happy. When I've finished my studies or when I've started working, I'll be happy. What about all the days working up to there? Make no doubt, the Lord has in his heart to bless you and to bring you into a fullness. But you don't want to arrive at your destination not having experienced the treasure of what the journey was, even if it was a difficult journey. Because the Lord works with all things. He's the master potter. We might look at the clay of our lives at the moment and just see a mess. But the Lord is at work doing something exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, think, or even imagine in that place. But it might not be visible to eyes that are looking at the natural. I want to read a, a scripture to you where it speaks very much about the process of things, how God uses process in our lives. It's Isaiah 28 verse 10. It says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Now, if you are fixated on the finish line, you'll miss out on today's line, brick, and precept. 
because God is at work and he's doing a special and deep work in you. If I was to take a, an example out of the Bible about a brick upon brick situation, I think of the wall of Jerusalem being rebuilt under Nehemiah's leadership. That's a real brick upon brick situation, all right. So what happened was there was a remnant of people that left Babylon to come back to the promised land to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They had to rebuild it because they were under threat by all of the enemies surrounding them. The threats were so severe that in the construction process, they had a sword strapped to their sides or they held a weapon in their hands and they were busy at construction with the other hand. Now, I'm sure anyone here who has engaged in construction would be able to testify that trying to do construction while holding a weapon of any kind is not the best way forward. Um, it's gonna hold a lot more challenge than if you had both hands available and no threat of any attack coming. The attack was so imminent that they couldn't even put their weapons in an armory because they were under such severe threat that at any moment they could be attacked and in that moment they needed to have their weapon ready. It doesn't sound like a very pleasant work situation. It doesn't sound like a very pleasant life phase, does it? It's hard, it's harsh. I mean, when you get down to the gritty reality of what these people experienced, this was where, as they would say, it gets real. This was their experience. So day by day, they're going about the building of the wall under constant threat. It's a process of time. This wasn't done in a day. This wasn't done in a month. But every day the Lord was with them, by his grace, strengthening them, helping them, aiding them, and even protecting them because while they were under the threat of attack, attack never took place as much as it was threatened to take place. And then we ask ourselves, well, why did the Lord let it go on so long? Let me tell you, the community of people who started building that wall were very different to the community of people that finished building that wall. They were in the trenches together, sweating, looking at the horizon at a common enemy, having each other's backs, maybe taking a shift for someone if you'd fallen ill and you put in a bit of extra time. You have this character that's being formed in the midst of these difficulties and this community that's been knitted together so that they would become the foundation of a reborn nation of Israel in the promised land because they were a remnant and they'd really made a sacrifice leaving their home. Now they're working under the harshest of conditions. It seems cruel. Now even think of this. What did God do at Jericho? What did he do with the walls of Jericho? There was an instantaneous destruction. Could he not, as God, have made an instantaneous rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem? It's not a rhetorical question. The answer is, of course, yes. Because he's God, he could do anything. And yet, he chose to allow his people, in the midst of incredible threats, to labor for a season, rebuilding the walls with their own hands and him aiding the work of their hands as opposed to instantaneously causing those walls to just be built. Like, if you missed that, it's not coming around again. <laughs> and I just believe that the Lord was doing such a wonderful work in the hearts of his people, binding them together, causing character to be born, endurance, as well as devotion, devotion to each other, devotion to him, 
I want to read a scripture to you that I believe will just bring a little bit more of an insight as to why sometimes our seasons are extended. And in the midst of threat, we don't get that immediate release. Very often, the work is not just for you. It is a work for his kingdom and his people. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The character we developed in the journey becomes our soul muscles to bear the responsibility of the gifts that operate in our lives without the gifts blinding us. God knows what our future holds. He's already working in us today for what tomorrow will bring and what tomorrow of 10 years will bring. Perhaps, just perhaps, you are enduring a difficult season now that you can more than overcome in a year's time, in five years' time, in 10 years' time. Because you were willing to trust him with childlike trust here, not be offended at him, that he hasn't built the wall you're trusting for. He hasn't given you your destination. You feel I'm halfway to where I'm only gonna be happy because the wall's only halfway. Be happy today because he has made everything beautiful in its time. And there is a joy for you to experience and live in today that you will not get back again because when today is finished, tomorrow will dawn with new mercies, unfailing compassions. It'll be a day the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it if we choose to, but today will be spent. So use every day as your opportunity. Draw near to him as your first love. Invest yourself in spending time with him. Like Mary, it's not to put away the Martha responsibilities. You'll get to them, but get to your God first. Nurture your first love relationship with him. Don't be like the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation where they did all the works right, but the Lord held it against them that they'd lost their first love. Just remember that the Lord himself would seek his father. We can follow his example and be blessed out of that example. The Lord has given you a life with eternity in your hearts. And he is once again asking, where are you going to invest your life to bring life? And if you are walking with the great I am, we truly do not have an excuse before him. He is the one who will knit everything together, bring everything together, impart his grace into our lives to enable us to do what we cannot do out of our own capability, that we can be free, set free, children of God, walking in his will every day and fulfilling his divine purpose for our lives. Amen. 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 I'd just like to pray and then I'm gonna release the service. Father, I thank you for this word. I bless every person here that there would be something of worth planted in their lives. It might just be one small word, one small sentence, but whatever it is, may it be planted, may it prosper, may it grow. May no crow come and steal the word. But Lord, we glorify you for your goodness to us, that your eye is ever upon us, that every single person here, not only has eternity in their hearts, they are the apple of your eye. You adore them as your children, even as you call them into your divine purpose and destiny for us all. In Jesus' name, amen.